Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Electric and Trade. I'm Simone de Rochefort, supervising video producer at Polygon, and I'm here tonight with Brianna Wu, executive director of Rebellion Pack. Christina is was on vacation and is now, I believe, at a work event. So Woo. if you are a Rocket listener at the work event that Christina is at, make sure you bother her. I, you get free booze, right? You do. I think you do. You, you get free booze. You get to harass Christina about the state of her office, which, you know, let's let's be honest, she still hasn't cleaned it up. There, There's a lot of wind there. So, we so, got so you know, many rocket rules. We should publish some kind of book. <laughs> it should be like a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> it's not um, like Fight Club. Fight Club has one rule. It's one rule for Fight Club, right? I've never seen it. I think there's one I, rule I'm for Fight sure Club. I'm pretty sure there's... There, there. Okay, it's hit me as well, hard to hit, know. You don't. That's the first thing. rule of Fight Club. You don't talk about Fight Club. Yeah, but that kind of implies that are there, there? I, you know what? I think that there's a second rule. I think that it's first rule of Fight Club. Don't talk about Fight Club. Second rule of Fight Club. See the first rule. I think it's something silly like that. But I, I right. don't actually remember. A discursive loop, right? Yes. It's a for then loop that's messed up. And I think with Rocket, I mean, we we have the rules that we abide by, and then there are the rules that the listeners abide by, and those aren't necessarily different things. I mean, those aren't necessarily the same things. <laughs> well, the what? first rule of Rocket Club is ask Christina for free liquor. That's yes. the first rule. Absolutely. And the rule that we abide by is always the latest news. Um, (laughs) In whatever sense of the word, you choose to take that. (laughs) Today, let's start off by talking about some Netflix. So as you, uh, as uh, those of you among the listeners who may be sharing passwords with (gasps) people on Netflix, I know, I know, I know, but we have to be accepting. We have to be accepting, uh, are undoubtedly aware that Netflix is testing a pilot program, testing ideas, uh, to stop people from doing that, or at the very least to, uh, eek money out of the people who are doing that. They are testing new tools to prevent password sharing uh, in certain markets, among them Peru and Chile, and apparently it is not going terribly well. That being said, the system, as intended, kind of sounds interesting to me. So it it is intended to charge people who share passwords an additional charge. Uh, And the number that I saw was approximately $2 a month per, per password share. It calculates that based on location. So for example, if you're sharing with your roommate, that doesn't really count. You're a part of a household that is one household. Theoretically, Netflix doesn't care about that. But if you share with your friend Simone, who lives in New York City, (laughs) you will be punished uh, with money. But it also allows, it gives, it doesn't like find those users. It gives them the option to like validate and add that person as an additional like user, which is interesting to me because it $2 is much less than the standard amount of a Netflix account. Uh, that being said, the the logic behind this, uh, or rather the public reasoning for this, uh, Netflix is getting very creative with. They've partially blamed uh, the recent stock tumble that they've had and their revenue problems on password sharing. 
Which, oh, that's definitely it. 100% it's it. totally it. It's not there. The whole their, reason yeah. Netflix is in trouble is password sharing. So really, like, if you go to their CEO's office, it's just a picture of Christina. It is. Yeah. It says the problem underneath it. And if every office of every streaming executive in America <laughs> has a picture of Christina, and it says America's most wanted, streaming's most wanted, um, she's a streaming criminal. If you really, it's not my that. fault. I did nothing wrong. That's right. Um, yeah. So it's not the fault of Netflix, like green lighting shows willy nilly, trying to be a streaming service that appeals to everyone, but not having a meaningful way to like serve the sh- specific shows that somebody would want to you outside of the incredible mess of a homepage, uh, burying stuff that it it just doesn't care to market underneath layers and layers of trash, um, spending $30 million per episode on Stranger Things. These are This is not the problem. This is not the problem. Oh, and of course, another victim of uh, Netflix's Maybe maybe us password sharers did this. Netflix, of course, <laughs> recently fired the entire To Doom editorial team. Um, another uh, Netflix project that they failed to promote or support in any way. It was famously the network's uh, the Netflix password sharers that when they tried to make Jessica Jones season four, oh. they all stepped in and just canceled the entire Marvel uh, Netflix project. It was a hundred percent them. Uh, you know, Kevin Spacey's uh, issues with House of Cards that correctly got him fired. That was the fault. Uh, yeah, of, uh, I Netflix did that with password my shares. password yes. sharing. It was That's, me. That's correct. And when you were literally digging for diamonds in a garbage dump, trying to find <laughs> yep. <laughs> trying to find something to watch to justify the, I believe it's now been raised to uh, $4,300 a month for a Netflix subscription. Yeah, that, that sounds when, accurate, yeah. When you're digging for that, uh, it is the fault of Netflix uh, password shares. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, we, just mm-hmm. want, we, we just want to note that to be accurate on the show. And I take full responsibility for that. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so according to the global tech outlet Rest of World, uh, they spoke to subscribers in Peru who are part of the pilot program for this new system. And they are having a confusing time. So some people uh, are reporting that they have continued to share their accounts without getting dinged, just ignoring the rule. Uh, one person that they talked to described their, you know, additional password sharers, the remoras on the shark of their subscription, if you will, um, being asked to verify their accounts and the the password sharers just skipped the option and were never asked to do it again. Uh, other people have been confused and upset by it and have canceled their subscriptions. Other people are like, there, there's varying amounts being charged and it's not quite clear which is what is supposed to be correct. Um I honestly, I kind of chalk this all up to it being still a pilot program. Yeah. But I I don't discount that people, like, people out there are confused about, like, what is Netflix's definition of a household? Um, and what, what are these new rules? It hasn't been very consistent, uh, according to people who have tested it. 
I think that's fair. Um, you know, additionally, there, there's a lot that I worry about here. It's like, okay, so if they bring this over uh, to the United States, right, what happens, like, look at Christina. She's traveling this week. Uh, do, are they going to, she's in a hotel, or are they going to detect her there? And, like, she's going to get a permanent $2 charge on her account for trying to watch mm-hmm. her own stuff there? I mean, it's just, it seems, it seems like such a squishy like way to 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 figure this out i mean i i could see them doing it more like itunes where it's like uh you have a certain number of devices that are authorized for the account right that makes sense to me but it's just this just it it seems like this weird surveillance state slash we're gonna guess if you're sharing it slash like yeah that's need for abuse because i guess part of the part of the reason that it makes sense to me and that I know that if they roll this out here, I will be caught is that Christina does not want me polluting her uh, suggestions, me polluting her algorithm. Famously, once a former roommate of mine accidentally clicked Christina's profile instead of mine and watched a bunch of Gossip Girl. And Christina was like, hey, don't. (laughs) That's fair. And that's That's her right. That's her right. My account is where that trash happens. Um, No, let's be real. Christina's account is probably also trash. Yeah. Oh my God. She's not, she's not watching Masterpiece Theater. (laughs) You know what I just realized? I, like, I have access to Christina's whole Netflix profile. I have never once until this moment even thought about opening up her her profile. Yeah. She won't mind if we do it for the pod. What's the last thing that she watched? I, I, I can't I can't reach it from where I am right now. <laughs> okay. But I hope it's RRR. I think, this is what I think. I think the next time Christina is like late for a show by like 30 minutes, I think we then go into that account and find her trashiest pick and then embarrass her with it. On you the know show. what we should do? Uh, we we should make a pact because I honestly, okay. I still feel like I, I couldn't violate her privacy in this way, but I should go onto hers and she should go onto mine. But first we should guess yes. what we think is going to be on the homepage. Okay. Okay. That is, this is that's great. a, that's actually that should be a member special. That's pretty good. That's content, baby. Um, that is. Back to the point. So, yes. So, in my <laughs> case, because I don't use Christina's profile, I use my own on her account. Uh, not that I'm password sharing. <laughs> this is not a mission of guilt. Um, I obviously know that I would be caught up by Netflix. I would, you know, be charged $2. And honestly, I would be happy to pay that amount if it meant I got to piggyback on Christina for the rest of my life. But, yes, I totally see your point about travel i imagine i mean a tech company as big as netflix has to have a way to solve that because you know who has solved that is niantic who runs pokemon go they um everyone is deathly afraid because because theoretically you could give somebody your pokemon go login if they go to japan or whatever they're gonna go get the exclusive japanese pokemon you could give them their lo- your login and they could catch some Pokemon for you and then log back out again. But right. nobody does it because we are pretty sure that Niantic can will like monitor your location and be like, you did not go to Japan and then get back to New York in five hours, <laughs> girl. What are you doing? We're locking you out. You're cheating. Um, they consider that cheating. 
So, so I don't know, there might be, there might be some kind of, but I mean, that's exactly what you were saying about it being a, um, Orwellian like spy network that goes right into that because if they're monitoring like all right you could realistically have flown from Seattle to New York in this amount of time I guess we won't charge you two dollars this day um that's creepy I don't want them like thinking that hard about how long it takes me to travel from location to location yeah I think that's fair I just you know it's uh... Like with Pokemon Go, it is so, it's like in the player's best interest to not let them, the like, share that password around, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's just, it, it would hurt the gameplay experience for everybody, right? Because then it creates this expectation that everyone, uh, like, shares their, their password to get those, yeah. those Pokemon. Where I think it's different with Netflix and why I think they're getting some blowback here is this has been the culture from the very beginning, right? And when you have like a a right and you suddenly lose it, I think a lot of people have been like, eh, I'm willing to pay that, you know, that, that $4,700 for that Netflix subscription <laughs> every month because... You know what I mean? It's like, well, yeah. I'm getting it for all my friends. And I, I just, it feels like they're rolling back something that is fundamentally part of the service. And I, I appreciate them trying a creative way to do it. But I just, yeah. it, it, it's going to lead to some hell. That being said, I, I guess I kind of understand. Like, we we are, we are stealing. <laughs> we are technically stealing. Um, it, but yeah, it, it, it's a kind. It's the kind of like theft that feels like there's no true victim. I imagine mm-hmm. there. I'm sure Netflix does lose money on this. I'm not saying that they're not losing money. I don't think that their whole stock dip was caused by this. I think that it no. was caused by their own mismanagement. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting to watch and to see how people react to it here. Um. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Electric. When leading your small business, it's not all glamour. In fact, sometimes it's a matter of spending hours trying to find a laptop lost in the mail for a new hire or dealing with some other technical emergency, which you're well-equipped to deal with, but maybe you don't have the time. The team over at Electric know small businesses, maybe like yours, face challenges like this. That's why they've solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. Instead of spending your time sorting through unused application licenses, setting up employee laptops, and answering never-ending IT questions from your team, you can build that empire. With Electric acting as your IT department, you can get back to what you're good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. As a person who works at a company that has a like uh, existing IT department, uh, the harassment, <laughs> the problems that I give them, I would not wish upon you, small business owner. Just today, <laughs> I have been locked out of my employee Dropbox and I can't figure out how to get back on. I'm sending frantic emails with screenshots. Um, and then at the same time, my Red Giant license will not work on my laptop. I don't know why. It was working yesterday. It was working perfectly fine. And today it's like, no, I'm going to, instead of displaying your beautiful graphic, I'm going to flash on and off rapidly from a black, like, error screen to the white graphic, creating a strobe effect, 
that will damage your psyche. Um, <laughs> if this sounds like a problem, if, if you hear the, the stress in my voice and you think, wow, I wouldn't want to be the person in charge of like helping an employee address these problems. That sounds really stressful. <laughs> I urge you <laughs> to let Electric do that for you. For Rocket listeners, Electric are offering a free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai slash rocket. That is electric.ai slash rocket. Go there now. Get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of this show and Relay FM. Yeah, I have to be honest. If if you were like coming to me, if I were the IT department, I would just expect far more creative problems for you to have, like a a demon has infused itself <laughs> with my MacBook, or I made a pact with the devil, and now blood is flowing from all my uh, keys on oh, my. But MacBook. I like it when the blood yeah. flows from the keys of the MacBook. <laughs> okay, that's okay. You have that. I don't worry I'm about saying, that. I feel like you can up your game. Okay. Well, okay, okay. I'll I'll see what they can do about it. Like, I'm not making any promises because, like I said, I like it when the blood flows from the keys of the MacBook <laughs> and from the ports. It's one reason why I'm so excited that the M1 has so many more ports. It's like, yes, give me a fountain. Um, but yeah, I I know, I know. Sometimes I'm just basic. I'm sorry to be boring. Uh, thank you for apologizing. You're welcome. Now on to our second story of the day. <sighs> Uh, changes over at Comixology. This is a bit Oof. of oldish news, but it does keep coming up as uh, I, I keep hearing about new problems with this. So Amazon are, are being terrible stewards of the comic reading app Comixology. In 2013, Amazon purchased Comixology, which was the biggest uh, like digital retailer of com- digital comics. Uh, it was one of the first widely accessible ways to purchase like single digital issues of comics from both indie creators as well as big companies like Image and DC. Um, which is a huge difference because if you're not familiar with physical comic book buying, it is weirdly complicated, (laughs) like from comic book stores. It's weirdly complicated. Um, It involves like thinking very far ahead. Digital removes some of that that, uh, friction. Awesome. Comixology was pretty much the best at it. Um, And they were also very good about presenting digital comics in a meaningful way, not just slapping a full comic page onto your tablet. You can do that, but Comixology also has something called Guided View, which lets you swipe from panel to panel seamlessly, taking in like all of the small, incredible details that an artist might put into a comic. Um, For years, Amazon has kind of left Comixology alone to do its own thing. It was not integrated with Kindle. It was not integrated with Amazon's storefront. It just was uh, in the same way that they've been a very lazy steward of Goodreads. But this year, they finally integrated Comixology with Kindle uh, and the broader Amazon marketplace. And it has been very bad for comics readers. (laughs) Uh, Most recently, Alex Kranz at The Verge writes uh, about her unfortunate discovery. She, like me, had been, you know, moving away from using Kindle and Amazon stuff, but she had a bunch of purchases on there. So she went to her Kindle, which is now merged with her Comixology account, to look up a book she had purchased and found that not only were, were all her books there, but also all of the comics that she had bought since 2011 were all stewing together and there was no way to sort out 
text ebooks from oh comics, digital comics. Absolutely bonkers. Why? Why would you just smash them all together like that? That's nuts. Um, and furthermore, she tells this story about how she went to uh, purchase the new Poison Ivy comic. And because of the now integrated Amazon storefront, uh, the first results she got were for Poison Ivy cream and then the new comic. And then Amazon later fixed that issue and served the, the new comic first, but then secondly served up the Poison Ivy cream. And then further, further down the page below the fold, other Poison Ivy comics that somebody who might be buying a Poison Ivy comic might want to read and consume and purchase, Um, which, again, is just like it's so lazy. It's so careless. It just shows uh, (laughs) it's it's just it's just that Uh, to me, it feels part and parcel of how Amazon's entire ethos is growth and gobbling up pieces of industries that it does not understand and it does not care about being a good steward of. It's happened with Comixology. It's happened with Goodreads, which has been wasting away for years and years. Uh, it's happened with their physical bookstores, which feel like they were curated by robots and have no soul. <laughs> it's happened with their game studios that they clearly started because gaming is a billion dollar industry and they thought, oh yeah, we should do that. And then they left those studios in charge of people who have never run game studios before. Why? <laughs> um, and Comixology is just kind of the latest piece of how Amazon, as a company that is too big to fail, keeps expanding and then kind of messing up the ways and w- the, the areas in which it has expanded to. And in this case, you know, a comic app that I don't think anyone had any complaints about that I had heard of is now kind of unfortunately, like grafted on to the Amazon ecosystem in a way that is not helpful for the people who want to use it. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, this isn't part of the story, but I want to tell you an additional story because um, a while back, the the way I most consume media is through audible.com. I've been an Audible subscriber since literally the 90s and the Rio MP3 player. I have had like their grandfathered plan where I get five credits a month for the original price forever and is awesome. I actually have a legacy account from before they were bought by Amazon and just logging into that account makes my soul oh. want to die, Simone de Rochefort. Oh, no. It's so bad because I have to like nuke all my cookies and like reset it and like, oh, click in with a different username. And then if I'm trying to get some customer service on something, it's just not well integrated at all. And I must have like at least a thousand audiobooks at this point. So uh, hearing that this did not go well, I just want to tell you my shocked face. I was so stunned. I just had to lay down because I could not speak. I couldn't believe after that experience that this was uh, not integrated that well, especially when there were similar issues with the the Twitch acquisition, though less so because it's not really integrated in the same way. So, um, yeah, um, obviously a terrible, terrible experience. And, you know, she goes on in the piece to suggest some really basic things like letting people uh, just filter what they're looking for through comic books, uh, which is very good. But, you know, there's a bigger problem here, Simone, that, Mm -hmm. you know, these digital comics, I love digital comics. But the, the, the thing is, 
when I buy something there, uh, I don't have any faith that it's going to live there for a long time. And that's not like a general like uh, uh, objection to digital, digital media. It is long experience with these comic buying apps, mm-hmm. right? When you first started buying things on comic Comixology, you would just buy it and it would appear. And then they forced you to add a uh, username and a password to it and create an account. And then if you weren't logged in with that account in the first place, you lost all your comics. Mm. Then Apple came through on Comixology and said, oh, we're going to force you to do the the restore purchase button. So then you click the restore purchase button. You pray to God that that copy of Danger Girl Back in Black that you bought (laughs) way back in 2012 shows up and it doesn't. And you're just effed. You're just out that $24 for the hardback collection. Oh. So so when it's that technology used across DC, the Marvel app, the uh, Image app, the, um, uh, what's the other one? Uh, uh, it's not Image. Uh, I'm blanking on it. Uh, Dark Horse. Dark Horse app. When it's, it's all these different comic books and it's like comicsology is the one that you want. It's just like we've been losing these digital purchases for years. So it's it's just not surprising to me at all. Yeah. And you, you bring up a good point, which is that one thing that has changed is in recent years is that like DC Universe and Marvel Unlimited, like DC and Marvel have gone off to do their own thing now, um, right. which is... Yeah, part and parcel. Everything that's happening in in TV, uh, digital TV right now is just happening in in every other industry as well. Uh, I think that this is kind of I, I, I see this as similar to, say, like NBC being like, all right, we're taking the office off of Peacock and we're putting it on our thing or sorry, off of Netflix and putting it on Peacock. It's our thing now. Um, I mean, it always was. But anyway, yeah. So there were there were problems even before the Amazon purchase that you feel that, that you feel are still potentially a, a danger for for users. I'm saying that when they make these kinds of acquisitions, right, it's a fundamentally legal and economic proposition, right? Like they're sitting there and they're going, okay, this makes sense to our bottom line. What is not forefront in these acquisitions is thinking about the user experience and how all that's going to transfer. It's an afterthought. They throw it over to an engineer. And a lot of politics gets in the way, right? Like you're, it's not surprising that Amazon's going to put their store first. So, you know, it's it's what can you say it's it's frustrating the the customers lose and it's just another thing you kind of just have to to suck up if that makes sense it's just it's so annoying to me though because why what do they honestly gain by letting you buy toilet paper from the same store where you buy a comic book it to me just doesn't make sense and like their amazon is already such a wild west of like fake products and weird listings and ads for stuff like it's it's a very ugly ugly system and i guess we should have seen the goodreads neglect coming because (laughs) amazon.com doesn't look much better um speaking of websites that still look their age um but like when somebody you have power as the curator of a system to give somebody exactly what 
they don't know that they want. And right. Amazon doesn't care about that. They just unleash the fire hose and say, here is, we have all of the products. And that's how they voice <laughs> function is like, we, we have all of the products. You, would you like all of the products? Because that's what we'll give you. Um, and it's just, uh, ha ha. It, it, it's it's disappointing to me on a spiritual level to see a, a company that ju- has these huge oversights and user experience continue to fail upward. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's 100% fair, Simone. And, um, <sighs> and you feel the same way about billionaires buying Formula One teams, you know? I, yep. Yep, I do. You do. I do. I do. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Trade. (laughs) Trade Coffee, the coffee delivery service that will deliver you coffee. Guess what I received most recently? Dark Thunder from Clatch. I I was going to guess some Everclear. Oh. It was coffee. It was coffee. It was coffee for real. A fresh pot of this rich, deep, smoky, sweet blend. Uh, it is is what I had this morning. It is apparently bold and full-bodied and will weather anything you add to it. Uh, I take my coffee black, which trade knows, but they also know that I love a medium dark level roast and I like things that are roasty, smoky, toasty. Um, and this is definitely... Uh, roasty, the... smoky, toasty. Yeah. Write it down. Okay. Write it got down. It. Are you writing? Got I got it. I'm writing right now. Okay. Um, yeah, this is definitely uh, one that I particularly like. I've been enjoying trying a different bag of trade coffee every month. Uh, they come from different roasters all over the country. Uh, they work with a lot of like different independent roasters uh, from exciting places. Some local, some not so local. This coffee came to me from California. Um, and I really like it. When you become a Trade Coffee customer, you can enjoy knowing you've got the freshest and best tasting coffee you've ever made at home. And the coffee you'll be drinking will be from one of the country's best independent craft roasters, which helps those small businesses out a lot too. And guess what? Trade's coffee team, a job that I frickin' want, actually taste tests (laughs) thousands of coffees. Do you think that they would take me on as like an intern, even though like... Even though my taste is the most basic taste in the entire world, like I drink plain black dark roast coffee every day and it's all I want. I don't I don't want I don't want anything fancy. I just want a basic coffee. This um, is how I imagine if you're on the coffee roasting team, that's like a the Sailor Moon transformation. <laughs> that mm. You're like you're like, like roasty, boasty, toasty, and then you, <laughs> you, you it's just all around you, and then it's the sparkles, and then you've got like a, a coffee cup, and it's amazing. Yeah, I want to become like a coffee sommelier. Um, everyone has yeah, the wine, the wine experts, Oh, okay. the people who can like identify where a wine came from, like the hillside a wine came from by the I th- taste I of it. I think they're lying. I everyone think they're says lying. that, but then explain yeah. to me how they're right. Cheating. Do you think the whole system is fake? No, I've learned from pro wrestling to really trust systems that <laughs> the humans build <laughs> and take them at face value. Simone. <laughs> Listen, uh, Trade keeps 450 (laughs) different kinds of coffee live and ready to ship every day. Everyone has that one coffee they just love, and Trade will help you find it. 
Uh, Trade is incredibly confident that they'll match you right the first time. And if they don't, just give them your feedback and an actual coffee expert will work with you and send a brand new bag (laughs) for free so you know you'll be looked after. Uh, I can speak from experience. I took their quiz and they like pinpointed what I wanted. And like I said, I have a very I don't have what I would call a, a sophisticated taste, but I have a specific taste. Yeah, like if I took that quiz, we'd be like, what do you want for your coffee? I'd be like, not feel like death. Yes, be alive. That would, <laughs> that would be what I would write. Whether your friends call you a coffee snob or just know when, or you, or you just know when coffee tastes really perfect, Trade's real coffee experts personally taste test over 450 roasts so they know exactly what to recommend just for you. And they will deliver a bag of freshly roasted coffee as whole beans or ground for however you brew it at home. And they guarantee that you'll love your first order or they'll replace it for free. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping when you go to drinktrade.com slash rocket. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com slash rocket and let Trade find you a coffee that you'll love. That URL, one more time, is drinktrade.com slash rocket for $30 off. And don't forget that Father's Day is coming up. A trade subscription is the perfect gift for the coffee lovers in your life. Our thanks to Trade for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. We should be a coffee podcast. We should do that. I, w- it w- I don't have the words just to describe it. I mean, I guess I had the three words, which were roasty, smoky, toasty. But like, roasty, if you asked me to go toasty. deeper than that, I'd be like, uh-huh. uh, coffee. Like, if you're bean. saying full-bodied coffee, what does that mean, full-bodied? I, I think I, I could do I, full-bodied. I think I understand. But, but what, what does full- that mean? Mi- Explain to me, b- of b- course. B- big, 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 big. It feels big. Feels bold. Feels big bold in your mouth, right? I I I don't know. I think like I think about coffee. It's like uh, that sweet bitter taste, right? Oh. Or I I don't know. It's mm. it's. I, I feel like there's this whole language that like taste professionals they do. use. They have access to different words than we right. do. Right, and that's why we should take a class. <laughs> okay we'll have to do that when we join the coffee team speaking of classes the academy <laughs> francaise has banned esports so the okay. word esports from being part of the french language uh for those of you who are blessed to not have to have to know about the academy francaise i'm sorry i'm about to tell you it is france's archaic lily white stuck-up language institution that protects the French language from modernity and most often from English loanwords. It is the reason why technically in France, email is not email, but courriel, but everyone just says email because that's what the world understands. It's not fair, but it's true. Okay, so I want to make sure I understand this. Yes. Can I ask questions as Absolutely. we go? Absolutely. Okay, so this is it's it, it's from France, and is this a government directive or a government office that does this? I actually don't know if they are affiliated with the government. Let me look that up. They were they were founded by Cardinal Richelieu um, <laughs> in 1635. Uh, they do okay. like their only sort of 
uh, okay. provision yeah. is over the government. Like they they say what the government can like what words the government can officially use. Okay, I believe so potentially what yeah. can be taught in schools. But wow. they, they're not going to be like going into your workplace and being like, how dare you say email? We find no, I'm just trying to understand the jurisdiction. Like, you know, there's a I, we have these kinds of industry things in the video game industry, right? Like these these people mm-hmm. pushing, uh, you know, Web3 NFT stuff. Right. So, OK, so this is this is some this is an organization with a long line of people following what they are saying, basically. Yes. And the goal is to preserve the French language from modernity. What does that mean? The goal is to protect the French language from change and pollution by other languages. Like, their their whole thing is, or at least in, in this incarnation, because I'm only familiar, I don't know what Richelieu was thinking when he founded it, but in the modern world, their whole thing is we, like the French language is under attack by English loan words, by other languages. Like if we let people say email, soon they'll just start speaking English and we won't have French words anymore. We won't be speaking proper French. Uh, so you can see how this gets into very like, huh, uh, territory. This feels about half a step from the Harry Potter lady. I've got yes, to be really it's half a step you. there. Uh, the people who sit on the academy are called the Immortals. Oh I'm not God. kidding. What? <laughs> they have special outfits. Um, sorry, they're not called the Immortals. They're called the Immortels. <laughs> oh um, so silly. So okay, recently, obviously, we're talking about this now. Because they've ruled on gamer words. More specifically, esports in France officially is not esport. It is jeu vidéo de compétition. Pro gamers are not pro gamers. They're joueurs professionnels. Streamers are not streamers. They're joueurs animateurs en direct. And you might notice that all of these phrases are bad because for every courriel that sounds kind of cool... You have something incredibly, incredibly bad to say, like joueur animateur en direct, because the French language is not like German, where you can just stick things together and make it sound like a normal word. It's bad. (laughs) It's a poorly constructed language for evolution, unless you go up and and make up words. Like when they had to deal with sexting, uh, I think they came up. (laughs) I know, I know. Uh, I'm trying to remember what it was. It was, I think it's called like technopornography or something like that. Oh, texto. It's textopornography. I, I mean, it sounds much classier, right? Like, oh, what are you doing? I'm the techno. Oui, j'envoie une textopornographe. But even that is like, j'envoie un sexte. J'envoie un textopornographe. If you call it a textopornograph instead of a sext, you are wasting time that you could spend sexting. <laughs> <laughs> this is okay. This is what I don't get here. Yeah. Because esports, this seems more like an industry term of art, right? So, I mean, are they going to go through and like, like, Frenchify every single term of art in technology, like RAM, like API, like, like framework? I mean, that's a how... really good question. And I don't yeah. know, like something like framework there. I, I don't doubt there's a French word for that. I don't know it because it's technical. RAM, sure, like, something API... like RAM that's like an abbreviation. Right. I'm, I'm honestly not sure. Um, 
Huh. I mean, hit points, like magic points. No, like, like I, oh, this just, this way seems like, like, it sounds like a crazy conservative thing, to be honest with you. It absolutely is. It's deeply racist. It's deeply, like, nationalistic um, and, like, French essentialist. um, And also, at the same time, incredibly fun to laugh at, I think. Because, like, it's such an interesting i i don't know of all the languages in the world like i world i understand that the tech industry having kind of come of age in the united states is incredibly us centric and a lot of the words come from us and we have a particular i mean and look at these words that i'm talking about like sext um esports etc cetera, etc cetera. we're we're a language that evolves very very rapidly um and also a language that I, I think evolves uh, in large part due to like a very linguistically savvy uh, black community that is constantly messing with language and creating new interesting configurations of words. That's something that the Academy Francaise probably hates. Uh, but like in the United States, I think every week we have a, a new piece of slang that we we learn and either in, in ter- we either learn it or we adopt it into our language. And that's very easy for us. Um, the Académie Française <laughs> is bad at dealing with that. It's an organization that's not set up to deal with this kind of rapid change. Case in point, making a ruling on esports a d- decade <laughs> after like that has become a global industry. Great. Right. Good job, everyone. Um, <laughs> like, jeu vidéo de compétition, that means video competitive video game. It, it's it's awful it's awful as a word <laughs> it's not even a word it's a phrase <laughs> yeah it's like you're taking a term and then you're just like adding a bunch of other words to describe it mm-hmm. and i it just seems to me that like i mean people they're playing like you know like diva mains and overwatch they're not like oh the academy is saying uh we cannot do this anymore yeah, we, cannot uh, we, call cannot, it we cannot call it these sports <laughs> yeah I'm gonna write. I'm gonna write it like the next James Bond movie, and it's not like uh, an oil baron trying to take over the world or like somebody that's bought out all media on Earth. It's like the French Academy trying to protect the the French language, and Willie was like some diabolical plan. Like this should be a Bond villain, not even an Austin Powers villain, but a full fledged Bond mm-hmm. villain. Mm-hmm. I like it. Fighting the I immortals. Like Please yes. do this. All right, we have a secondary dessert today um, in kind of a similar vein, but maybe less funny. Well, it's it's just equally stupid. Yeah. So, uh, Simone, you have not seen Obi-Wan. Yet, I have not have you? seen Obi-Wan yet. Okay, so Obi-Wan is good. And I know this is going to shock you that uh, some Star Wars fans were really angry about Obi-Wan coming out. What? They say it's bad, Star right? Wars fans are angry? It's so crazy. So, uh, no. So there's a whole nother controversy. And I, I really love what happened. It's not even controversy. It's just abuse. And exactly like what happened with uh, uh, Rose in Last Jedi, where she dealt with a whole bunch of uh, racist 
just uh, messages. Uh, in Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, there's an actress. Her name is uh, Moses uh, Ingram. And she basically, uh, she works alongside the Inquisitors. Uh, her character does uh, in this. So she's kind of the uh, the bad guy in the, the whole series, right? And uh, I'm not going to spoil the whole three episodes because they haven't even been out for seven days. But, mm. you know, I saw it and I thought her performance was really, really good. Uh, she's kind of playing a fish out of water where she wants to do her job and hunt down the Jedi. And the people she's working with kind of don't really accept her as one of them. Right, they mm-hmm. say they found her in the gutter. So I know it's going to really shock you uh, to hear that she's been dealing with uh, such an avalanche of outright racist uh, messages and abuse. Uh, that uh, not only did she stand up to this, the official Star Wars accounts stood by her as well, uh, which I was very glad to see. But you know, it's just frustrating, Simone. That like I love Star Wars so much. I like Star Wars so much. I actually enjoy a lot of the movies that they put out unlike Mm -hmm. some star wars fans it's just it's frustrating to constantly see this this toxic cycle of discourse that the series seems stuck in does that make sense to you bizarre star wars fans are eating right now like i i understand that for years and years like the extended universe was wonderful for star wars and kept it going and there was like clone wars and everything but there's more Star Wars now, I feel, than there has been in all of history. And yeah. there are so many choices for how to engage with that fandom if you are a fan of Star Wars. And it it is like I almost I, I, I hate giving it attention because but these people are so loud about being just mad about everything that makes star wars different from the series of movies that had like one black guy in the 1970s um and it's it's so annoying uh rowan kaiser on twitter had a thread that i came across as i was researching this which i i i I really i I found quite interesting to read it's essentially about how like with every sort of every Star Wars character that is technically dark side, quote unquote, but doesn't fit in, there's been this fan backlash. And it happened when with like Anakin's backstory in the prequels. And it happened with, uh, you know, people uh, with Finn, obviously, and now with Moses Ingram's character. And in those latter two cases, it's exacerbated because those actors, those performers are black. Um, but Rowan points out in this thread, I'm trying to find their pronouns. Oh, they don't have them in their profile. What am I going to do? Uh, Rowan points out in this thread that like part of what some people seem to enjoy about Star Wars and specifically about the Empire is this cool aesthetic of like space Nazism. It, yeah. like, it's very fashionable. It's very, you know, sleek. It is very aesthetic. Um, And when something comes along that disrupts that, either in personality, like Anakin being quote unquote whiny in the prequels, or like Finn and Moses kind of uh, clashing with their directives, people go, no, it's it's marring the surface of our beautiful, shiny empire. Um, and they can't cope with it, <laughs> even though like kind of part of the point point of Star Wars is that that's not a. It's not a great organization. 
Yeah, I mean, baked into Star Wars, it's, you know, the rebels represent diversity, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. the alien races, even the color schemes that they use, and then the empire's black and white, basically. Um, I also think, I think there's a deeper pattern to this, Simone, that uh, something I've noticed. So, like, I really enjoyed Book of Boba Fett, right? Mm -hmm. And you have a sidekick to Boba Fett called uh, uh, Fennec Shand, right? And she's this really cool sniper assassin. She's great. There was no fan backlash against Fennec Shand. Like, there was mostly praise for that. And it's like, why do some of these characters like Kelly Marie Trans get so much of a backlash, or or more specifically like Admiral Holdo in Last Jedi, where somebody like Fennec Shan doesn't? And a, a pattern that is really, really apparent there is Admiral Holdo, and uh, Baby Leia, who's a character in this series, mm. and uh, you know this this Inquisitor character, this new Inquisitor character we haven't seen before. All of them have these really rough scenes where they're standing up against a, a, a man and saying like. Basically, they're challenging his authority or saying, I'm not going to do it your way. We need to do it this way. Like, they're really asserting themselves themselves in these scenes that just have these gendered connotations. Mm. And it's hard for me not to notice that all three of those characters really get a backlash, whereas Fennec Shan doesn't. It's, it's more of a – she plays more of a supporting role, right? So mm-hmm. I think it's like – I think some of this toxic fandom, from what I can see, it's not that they mind women being in Star Wars. It's that they kind of see, uh, they they just don't like that kind of challenge. There's a existing. certain kind of storyline yeah. or character beat that they find annoying. Right. And that's a specific word choice. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just, it's frustrating because I think she's a really, really great actress. And again, yeah, she's the villain. You don't have to like her. Yeah. You're not, you know, but it's, it's just, you know, from, from where I sit, you know, something you said, Simone, is that there's a lot of more Star Wars than there's ever been. That's absolutely true. Like, just as a matter of math, more Star Wars, more minutes of Star Wars have come out this year than (laughs) came out for, like, the first 20 years of my entire life, right? So there's a lot of it. And I, I really do think, like, from a writing and production perspective, there's not huge swings in quality between Mandalorian season one, Mandalorian season two, uh, book of Boba Fett and Obi-Wan. Like it's a, it's a, it's a production line essentially, right? Mm -hmm. It's a very high quality production line, but there's not like wild swings in, in how well these things are produced. I think the real question here is how much you are identifying with the characters and the themes that they are presenting. Yeah. Right. For me personally, Book of Boba Fett is a a more intriguing storyline because it's about a kind of villain trying to do the right thing and to like turn an organization around with a bunch of political overtones and, and, and make a stand. That to me is something more appealing than basically somebody taking care of uh, an orphan child. I just don't care about Baby Yoda. Um, so I really think that because it's all the same level of quality, 
I, I think you can't credibly come forward and say, oh, I just don't like the black woman because she's uh, poorly written, right? Or yeah. I just find Princess Leia annoying when she's literally the exact same character she is when she's an adult, just a younger version of her. Like, you have some other issues going on there. Like, you can identify or not identify with the storyline, but, you know, your your gut instinct tells a lot, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. It's sometimes things cannot just be for you. And also sometimes it's worthwhile looking why. (laughs) Brianna, what are you up to this week? Uh, What am I up to this week? I am working on uh, some writing. I am working on getting some ads out the door. And uh, uh, I am going to finish my garden, which (gasps) looks a billion times better than it did last week. Awesome. I'll send you some pictures. We did some good work. I want to see pictures of a beautiful garden. Um, I'm just busting my freaking butt at work. Uh, I'm working on a video editing one. Uh, I didn't write it, but uh, Jenna has written a very good video on the history of cheating that I am editing right now. Um, And I will be editing it after we are done with this podcast. And I'll be editing it tomorrow and possibly for the rest of my life. Um, but it'll be going up on Thursday or Friday of this week. So please go check it out. Um, Can I give yeah. a really quick note before we move on? Yeah. Uh, even as we're, we're recording this, Ewan McGregor, who plays Obi- Obi-Wan, has just had to go on Twitter and Facebook and put out a personal cry for people to stop being uh, racist to oh this woman goodness. because that's how bad the backlash is. So, Jeez. y'all, y'all, ugh, I know none of our listeners would Just behave that don't way. Don't be but mean online. Yeah, 100%. It's so freaking easy. Um, Brianna, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on Brianna Wu on the Twitter machine. And you can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar and Christina at film underscore girl everywhere. This is an episode of Rocket that you have listened to. And I appreciate that about you. Oh, my God. (laughs) You're the best. Yeah. If you liked it, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Hold on. Hold on. I got to say something here. I have to say something here. Uh, Last week, we had a guest on. That uh, had some, um, he literally wrote a book that was critical of Tesla. And anyone who understands uh, what happens when you talk about Tesla knows that Tesla fans don't like it. Oh, no. Uh, I could not help but notice some of them rated, they don't listen to our show, but they had some pretty angry reviews to leave. So um, I'm politely asking any of our longtime listeners if you have not reviewed the show to date, we could really. Use your help in addressing that review bombing. Thank you so much. See, your <laughs> reviews matter. Five stars on Apple Podcasts, please, please, please. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We'll be back with you next week. This episode of Rocket is terminated. Terminated.